This is Lori Kilmartin, and welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Around this town, I'm alright. Around this town, I'm alright. I mean, no consequence when you're playing with the fire. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Thank you. <laughs> We've had a lot of conversations with your Conan colleagues over the years. Oh, cool. My first ever in-person interview was back in 2007 with Brian Stack in the late night offices. Wow. So that was like, that was a pretty good first interview. Heck yeah. He's so funny. And, and uh, I've never been to the late night offices. I only oh. I only joined up at uh, TBS in Burbank. So, yeah. wow. I, I thought maybe, maybe with, you know, stand up beforehand, you might have been there but uh no they didn't have me on i had to i had to squelch my anger when i first got hired like <laughs> wow you guys should have known me <laughs> oh well <laughs> but yeah i have a, a lot uh to talk about with your with your stand-up uh you've been doing a lot lately but just uh to get it out of the way since i was talking about conan uh we might as well touch on your years of writing uh on the tbs show and what a writer's room mm -hmm. that was. How was that experience getting to work with such great comics and, and Conan and all of that kind of as a day job? Uh, it was great. It's my it's my most favorite writing job I've ever had. Um, I miss it terribly. And if they started back up again tomorrow, I would walk right back into work and be happy. Um, I worked with really funny people and um, it, it wasn't like a super competitive environment. So, you know, it just didn't, it just felt like you just wanted to, except you wanted to please Conan O'Brien who has right. pretty high standards. But um, but it was it was lots of fun and I laughed a lot every day and I, I miss the monologue meetings because it you know it ended up being just me and Brian Kiley who's a great great writer I learned so much from him you know just sitting around with Conan and, and Mike Sweeney and Matt O'Brien the head writer and uh, just you know editing jokes and mm -hmm. figuring out what words you don't need which makes you you know so, so much of a better editor for your own own stuff you know um so i i just miss it i miss it immensely uh and and, I, and i'm kind of bummed that you know like when we left our offices during covid in march mm -hmm. we were just going on a hiatus and of course we had no idea we'd never come back yeah <laughs> you know so like bizarre. We COVID happens, everything's on Zoom, and then you know the show, Conan decides the show's going to end, and you know the, the offices get demolished, and it's just so it was just so weird to like we were all allowed to come back once to grab our stuff, you know, like a year and a half later or something. And it was just <laughs> so haunting, and uh, and then I walked into the studio, which I'd been walking into for ten years straight. And you know there, there's always there's the prop room and the dressing room and Conan's room and the audience thing and this chair the audience chairs and the stage and it was all demolished. It was oh. all just pieces of wood twenty feet high, and I was like, it looked like a bomb dropped in there. And I, I wow. just, I wish I hadn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, it was just hard to see something that you really loved being at for so long mm -hmm. kind of destroyed like that so yeah i just hearing like obviously i didn't work there it wasn't my day-to-day -day, but i was lucky enough to go a few times to tapings at the the tbs yeah. studio oh yeah 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 thinking about it being you know like you described is, i know is wild 
Well, yeah, you know, like the dressing room area was really cool. I'm like, you could have rolled that out the elephant doors and it could have been a home for somebody. It had, <laughs> right. two, yeah, yeah. it had bathrooms with shower. All you need to do is plug it into a few things, you know? It was nice. I couldn't yeah. believe they destroyed it. <laughs> I and mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's show business, I guess. Yeah. Mm hmm. Do you know what the plans are? I know there's been this like generic, like HBO Max might be show something. Like, have you heard anything? Do you think you might be working again in that uh, in that world? No, I don't think so. I think from what I understand, I think Conan is really enjoying just doing podcasts. Yeah, and um, he gets to do longer interviews and really talk about stuff. And it's a great podcast. I, I what I do know 100% is he hated having makeup put on his face every single day. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't have to do that anymore, you know, and he doesn't have to gel his hair and make it three feet high. So I think he's digging that. And, um, you know, he he worked for so long. And and uh, when COVID hit, his kids were still home. And so we got to have the last couple of years of teenagehood with his kids, I think. His son's my son's age, but his daughter, I think, is in college now. So I don't know. I, th I think he probably, you know, like a lot of us were like, oh, it's nice to be home with my <laughs> family. These people I love and don't get to see that much, you know? Yeah. Um, and then who knows what's going on with HBO Max right now? Well, it just, just feels in like, general, the industry with the, with the whole. Yeah, yeah, but it just feels like uh, any any all bets are off on what they promised or, you know, a year ago. So absolutely. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I think it's sometimes, you know, a lot of us are like, wow, life is short. And uh, I really I'm happy doing this stuff and I have enough money to meet my needs. I don't know. I, yeah. I really don't know. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, you've been doing a lot, uh, a lot of touring this year. Uh, even like we're we're doing this interview in advance of GFL Toronto, which you're coming up yeah. to uh, at the end of the month. But uh, you've already been to Canada a couple times this year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, can you talk about like getting back on the road? Probably more than you had the opportunity to when you were working for Conan and having yeah. to like be there half the year, like writing. Uh, in, yeah, in I mean, when I worked for Conan, I worked, I did stand up on hiatus week. So we'd go on the road and uh, sometimes I'd just do, they would let me do little Friday Saturdays if I, <laughs> you know, because we don't tape on Friday, but I, I, you know, that was every once in a while. Uh, I didn't want to abuse that privilege, <laughs> but, um, but I never wanted to like lose the ability to do a long set, you know, so I always kept that up. And then, and then thank God, because uh, now I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I still have that because I, I need it now, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm doing a lot more touring, a lot more road work um, and just traveling in what are the worst traveling times, <laughs> Yeah. Know, aside from like, you know, being on a ship in the 1600s uh, be, before they figured out how to cure scurvy. I mean, it's just awful right now. So uh, I, I, I just talked to another comic who's like, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you gonna do? They didn't know, but. You know, I love performing. I yeah. love it. It's so fun. I can't wait to come to Toronto. I love the crowds there. Um, uh, Air Canada. I'm getting to the airport early because I have a, I have a beef with Air Canada from a previous flight where they promised me hotel vouchers and haven't gotten it to me. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's just, it's just, you know, weirdly, weirdly the other stuff is, worse than it ever was but performing yeah. is so fun and um maybe because i did so many zoom shows i really uh i'm so great 
grateful when people come out in person, you know? Yeah, and, um, absolutely. I don't know. And yeah, it's worth, for now anyway, it's worth the, the travel headaches to get to some of those places, but yeah. Maybe yeah, it'll yeah, have yeah. to, maybe it'll have to go back to the old days of just road trips. Yeah, I know. They're annoying in their own way, but at least you can, you control when, when things happen. Yeah. I mean, I used to put a lot of miles on a car. I, put, I, I, I ran a car to 500,000 miles. Um, okay. And then it, <laughs> wow. Then it kind of, that's when it, it gave up, but it was a Chevy Blazer. And those were like my first 10 years in comedy for sure. So uh yeah maybe those days will come back i don't know who knows what's happening now they're, yeah they're, any they're like yesterday the the like the ukrainian military chief said an eliminated nuclear war is pop i'm like what what <laughs> guys i i can't handle all this please i'm just trying to promote my shows in toronto and the queen died i can't handle more and our queen yeah that's right now now no longer yeah. i know yeah I'm sorry. Thank you for, I know you, you were probably devastated and uh, thank you for doing the interview anyway. Oh, you're very welcome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, sure. <laughs> so you, uh, you put out a new album earlier this year. Mm -hmm. and I've been listening to it. Uh, it's if for people who've followed your career for a while, like it, it is familiar as far as like subject matter and like your, you're generally you've never been afraid to talk about, you know, dark subjects or uh, or turn regular subjects into something a little darker if uh, if the joke is there. Yeah. Um, but you do it in such a silly way that it doesn't feel like heavy. Oh, to good. To. oh thanks. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why you want to use comedy in that way? Is it like for yourself? Is it because you want everyone to be able to deal with, you know, that kind of stuff uh, in a humorous way or yeah, what what draws you to that kind of comedy? Uh, I don't know. I guess like uh, every comic, uh, you know, you're just uh, what what do I want to see if I'm in the audience, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you watch a lot of comedy and people start going, you know, going towards subjects, and you're like, all right, how are you going to deal with this? Oh, you didn't. You know, you went <laughs> yeah. around it, you bored me. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I'm different from any comic where you have the ego to go, well, I have an original way to handle <laughs> this death and I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, I guess that's just, that makes it more fun. And I, I definitely like to try to get a laugh on something that's really hard to get a laugh on if I can yeah. possible. You know, I don't want to get a clap. You know, I don't mind an ooh, but I like <laughs> if it turns into a laugh, you know, like I, I want laughs. That's what I'm yeah. going for. So I don't know. I, I don't think I answered your question, but yeah, I think uh, you did. I yeah. think you did. And yeah, like like there's uh, I think you're you're one of the comedians that uh, I could use as an example when people uh, talk about like, you know, comedy is the world isn't safe for comedians anymore to go dark places and all of that and oh my god uh, but so you're bad. you're an example of like proof that like you can talk about any subject matter but mm -hmm. you need to a make sure it's actually funny and gets that laugh that you talked about and b like make sure that the audience is on your side like yeah. you're playing to the audience and so yeah yeah, yeah and i think you know um part of it comes from like tons of stage time like you mm -hmm. You, the audience has to feel if you're going to start talking about someone dying, like a parent dying, right? The audience has to 
no, they don't have to worry about you, that you're not going to break down, that your voice isn't going to get shaky. And so if they know that you're okay, then they'll relax and most often laugh about stuff, you know? Um, And it, it does take a long, like for me, when my dad died, I, like, I was in such shock. I couldn't believe it. It took me a long time to be able to talk about it without like, uh, you know, sounding like I needed a hug. (laughs) And that makes the audience very uncomfortable, you know? But I think at some point I was like on stage and I was talking about my dad dying and they're doing the check drop where the audience is, everyone in the crowd is given their bill and they just start like figuring yeah. out their tips while I'm talking about my dear right dad in the middle dying. Of, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, it's, I've, I'm, uh, I've, I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing this joke anyway, I guess. Yeah. And uh, while heads are down and people are mumbling about what they did and didn't order. Oh yeah. well. But you do have to get like that kind of tough shell, I guess a little bit um, that you may not have on some things. And then, and then once you do it once, you get better at it when, you know, as life continues and there's more loss and grief or, you know, surprise in your life, you get a little bit better at, at managing it on stage as a comic. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you're one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Oh, thanks. And the algorithm obviously knows that because your, your tweets come up regularly in my, in my list because <laughs> I'm interacting. No, I'm the one interacting <laughs> with them and liking them. And- <laughs> retweeting them but uh but yeah that kind of going back to how you are on stage you're you're also that way on twitter uh in a way that i really appreciate where you do not you're not afraid to just say what's on your mind i know things have shifted since like the early days of twitter where it felt like you know the only place you could try out one-liners and things now it's a much more weird place on the internet but you still utilize it uh pretty well so can you talk about like your experience using Twitter and why you continue to be quite active on there? Well, you know, it's it, it, you do develop a Twitter personality. Yeah. Whether, you know, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you develop it. And um, yeah, when I first started, I would just put jokes up on Twitter that didn't that Conan didn't pick that I still liked <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And um uh, and that's it. And then when my dad started dying and I started tweeting jokes about it, then then that changed it for me a lot. Like people started following that. And um, and then I started, I guess, paying attention to Twitter more. And Twitter started changing. It, it started to have its own language and its own abbreviations and, and its own, you know, Dan Telford just tweeted something about how Twitter's just punchlines now. Like we don't even do setups anymore. Like <laughs> it's assumed that you know what the setup is because we're all talking about the story. Yeah, that's that's that's. So good, it's yeah. weird. It's it, even though you know it's getting like the best tweets are the ones that like only five people get. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, I guess I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've I've trailed off now. I don't know <laughs> if I've answered your question. Like your relationship with with Twitter, like you you still enjoy it though. You feel like it's, it's I do something enjoy you it. like in going on. I do. Yes, I don't feel I don't get a lot of trouble. Um, I think it's because I'm not blue checked. I really do think if you're a female comedy writer, you should be wary of getting a blue check because mm. that attracts a lot of angry conservative men who don't know why, don't think you're funny, and they don't think women are funny and they are going to go after you. Right. Um, so I, uh, so I, I feel like I kind of go under the radar a little bit because I'm not, I'm not a blue check maybe. Um, 
so I think I think I get away with a little bit more than somebody you know who has that awful awful target. <laughs> yeah. Even though it legitimizes you, it kind of sucks. But I, I, what I've noticed for women is it really it really really angers men, especially if they're not verified that right. you are. You know, I, I see female comedy writers like tweet a joke and then you know, all of a sudden they're suspended from work for a week, <laughs> you know, cause somebody was like, oh, so-and-so writer thinks it's funny to say this and stuff. And I was, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite relieved with the, when I was on Sean Hannity's radar for a little bit that I wasn't working for anyone and I had no yeah, check because he did a segment about me, but he didn't say my name or he didn't say former Conan writer or anything like that. It was just comedian on MSNBC says yes. this, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, uh, I'm a little careful that way, but, but I'm in my little corner. I'm pretty happy, I guess, as, as happy as a person can be when they're on social media, which is really bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, well, I appreciate you being one of the voices that that makes going to Twitter more enjoyable for me. So thank I'm sure, you. <laughs> sure a lot of people that, uh, that follow and appreciate comedy feel feel the same way. Thank so. you. Thank you. I guess uh, just the, what's left is to just promote the shows in, uh, in Toronto, uh, JFL Toronto shows. Cool. Yeah, the 22nd through the 26th. And then uh, one of them's at the Comedy Bar, I know for sure, in Toronto. And then there's a couple other venues, too. So uh, I'm excited. I was in Toronto in April, and I kind of worked the outskirts with um, Josh uh, Johnson and Heath, Heath Mc, uh, well, Randy Feltface, that's his character, and uh, Adam Ritchie. Um, but uh, I never actually worked in Toronto while we were <laughs> staying there. So I'm excited to be in Toronto this time and not have a two-hour drive on a bus to a gig.